today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. chapter 1. We're still in the introductory verses. If you have your Bibles and like to turn there. Romans chapter 1. After hearing about the great faith exhibited by the people in Rome, the Apostle Paul said in verse 15 there, he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Now, at the time Paul was writing this letter to the Romans, he was in the city of Corinth. And if you will, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2. Paul told the people in Corinth, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now I want you to look at that. Paul said, I have determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Roman world of that day knew all too well about crucifixion. It was their most common form of execution, death by torture. Sometimes it took a person days uh, before they would die. A death so horrible that one couldn't even bear to, to watch it. But Rome did these crucifixions in plain view of every for everyone to see. It was nothing to see a crucifixion taking place. They do it on the main roads outside of any town or city. And it was their way of showing their mighty power and humiliating their enemies. And the cross was their emblem of power. And Anyone you saw hanging on a cross, that meant they were defeated. So they used the cross, like I said, I'm trying to think of the word, what word am I looking to uh, humiliate, to show the world this is what happens when you come against the Roman Empire. Uh, Intimidate, thank you. They would use that to intimidate their enemies. This is what happens 
when you come against the Roman government. So you didn't want to cross them. But Paul comes along and says there in verse 16, Romans 1 verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And, of course, the gospel of Christ is centered up in the cross of Christ. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, I want you to get this in your mind. Here comes Paul, a man of Jewish descent, talking about another Jew who died on a cross And by dying on the cross, he saved the whole world. You can imagine the response to that. The Romans thought that was foolishness. How in the world can a dead man hanging on a piece of wood uh, save the whole world? If a man was hanging on a cross, he was defeated. He was an enemy of Rome, and he was defeated. If they were hanging on that cross, it was a sign of weakness is what they Uh, the way they looked at it. And Paul comes along and says, it's the power of God. And he said, I'm not ashamed of it. So you can imagine uh, the response that came to Paul, uh, the ridicule that came about as a result of that. You know, it was ridiculed then, and it's still being ridiculed today. But despite the ridicule, Paul come along and said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, the word power in the Greek is dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S. I reckon I'm pronouncing that right. It's where uh, we get our English word dynamite from. That's the kind of power that we're talking about dynamite power i'm going to deal with that a little more in just a minute but how can the cross have dynamite power how can the cross of christ have any power in it at all the roman world like i said looked at it as foolishness and 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 all of this was just didn't make any sense to them how like i said how can a man hanging on a piece of wood do us any good well that piece of wood didn't have any power in it and had it been just any man uh, that wouldn't have done any good but what we're talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ he wasn't just any man he was the son of God and as such he is God that was God that was hanging on that cross and that is proven by the resurrection. If you'll go back up and look at verse 4, there of Romans chapter 1, he said, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So the cross per se didn't have any power in it at all, but the one who died on it is the one that had the power. Jesus said, Haven, if you will, go to John chapter 10, verse 17. John ten seventeen. Jesus said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, 
that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So Rome did not kill the Lord Jesus Christ. He freely laid down his life for us. He gave up the ghost when the Holy Spirit told him to die, and likewise, he rose from the dead three days later. Now, it's hard for us to understand that because no human being in history has ever had that kind of power, but Jesus did. If anyone's got the power, Jesus has. So, if Jesus had that kind of power, why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die on a cross? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden and the fall of man. God said, Thou shalt not eat of that tree, and the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we all know the story how they disobeyed God, and they partook of the tree. They eat something. They say you are what you eat. They eat poison, if you want to look at it that way, a poison that damaged them physically, it damaged them spiritually. They became eternally separated from God because of the sin, but there was a physical aspect of it as well. Um, it so changed their physical bodies that at the moment they partook of that fruit, they immediately noticed that they were naked. They didn't notice it before, but something happened at the fall when they disobeyed God and they partook of that fruit. Something happened, something changed. And the thing that changed was the entrance of the sin nature into the heart of man. And that sin nature is what brought the nakedness to their attention. They became self-conscious. Uh, right after the fall, we see the word themselves. I saw myself. I hid myself. We, we, we see that word over and over again immediately after the fall. Prior to that, we do not have those words in the Bible. But after the fall, we see the word self being used. And that's where our problem is at when you get right down to it. Self is the problem. We're, we're very selfish individuals, and it's all because of sin. But that sin nature that came in, uh, it has eternally separated us from God, and it so altered the body chemistry that every single human being understand that Adam and Eve were our first parents. Every single one of us came from Adam and Eve, when you trace it back. Because of the fall, because of the damage that was done to the physical body, it has gone down through the generations to you and I. We have that sin nature that's inside of all of us. And God had to identify what sin was. And he did it when he gave Moses the law. Now, when he gave Moses the law, thou shalt not, there are penalties that come along if you break the law. 
God sent the law to identify what sin was. If you break the law, uh, here's what is going to happen to you. Now, if you'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22. For those who had committed the worst of crimes, they were to be crucified. That's Deuteronomy 21, verse 22. If a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that the land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So there you have it. That's where crucifixion come from. It was for those who had committed the worst of crimes. And in order for Jesus to save mankind, he had to keep the law of God perfectly, which he did. But his perfect life alone was not enough to save mankind. He had to go to the cross and pay the ultimate price to pay for all sin, the worst of crimes, for any person in the world. All sin was paid for at Calvary's cross. And like I said, Jesus had to go to that cross because that was the ultimate price. He, he couldn't have died by having his head cut off or being run through with a spear or any other 101 ways if you can think of dying. It had to be done God's way. And this is what God demanded uh, to be done. Uh, if you'll go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Faith is the key. Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16, It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Everyone that believeth. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, some of the Jews claimed that the disciples came by night and took the body of Jesus and they, and they hid it somewhere. But they never found a body. And they won't never find a body. You can go to Jerusalem and go to that tomb where they laid the Lord Jesus Christ at. There ain't no body there because Jesus rose from the grave. And he's now seated by the right hand of the Father, and he's there forever making intercession for us. Now, you have some who believe that, and you have some who don't. But faith is the key. Before you can experience the dynamite power of salvation, you have to believe it. That's the key. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're red, white, black, 
yellow, green, blue, or polka dotted. It does not matter. It is for all, everyone that believes. The promise of the Spirit comes through faith. We're talking about a dynamite power. We're talking about a power that moved across the cold, darkened waters in the book of Genesis upon a planet that was without form and void. And when it was all said and done, he brought this planet to life. We're talking about a power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That same power comes within our hearts and lives at the moment of salvation. That dynamite power explodes within our hearts and lives, and it destroys the works of the sin nature, renders it ineffective. And that dynamite power will continue to do that work within our lives, destroying the works of the sin nature, as long as we keep that fuse lit by faith. Got to keep that fuse lit by faith. That's how the Holy Spirit works. It's all done by faith. Verse 17, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein... Paul is speaking about the gospel of Christ, which is centered up in the cross. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Righteousness is simply that which is right. Now, it's not right as man defines it as such, but it's right as God defines Righteousness. It's that which God says is right. Righteousness and holiness is that which God demands. He demands perfection. And he cannot accept anything less than that. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. But man is totally bankrupt when it comes to righteousness and holiness. Even the very best that we can do, the Bible says, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. We cannot produce any righteousness. It's not there. We don't have the ability to do it because the body is dead because of sin. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. Haven, if you want to pull that up so they can see that. Like I said, the body is dead because of sin. Dead is dead. A dead man can't do anything. A dead man can't produce anything, let alone any righteousness. And that's the state that we're in. The sin nature has caused our bodies to be dead. And like I said, it's, it is simply not in us to do right. For there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There is no righteousness here. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So how can God require something of us if we can't produce it? Think of that. God requires perfection. He requires holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see God. How can God require of something that we can't do? 
It's like me telling Brother Jimmy to go out here and pick up one of these cars in the parking lot. Brother Jimmy, if you do it, I'll give you $2,000. I don't have it to give, but if you go out there, you can go out there and try and lift and strain and holler. There just ain't no way you can do it. So there ain't no need me asking you to, <laughs> to do that. But God has asked of us to do something that we can't do. How can God require of us to do something that we can't do he can't unless he gives it to us and he gives us his righteousness and he gives it to us by faith faith is something that every human being has we all have that measure of faith the bible says now if god had a said for $1,000, you can have the righteousness. But that would leave a lot of people out. But God put one thing on it, one currency. That's faith. That's the one thing that every single human being has is faith. And he gives it to us on that premise of faith. Paul said the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith faith is contagious now i want you to think about that for a minute faith is contagious have you ever noticed how someone starts off believing something and then others start to fall in behind them i mean you can get somebody that gets on television and say hey i saw a ufo out here in the desert somewhere and then Short time later, you got thousands of people off out there in the middle of the desert staring up at the sky trying to find a UFO. All because one person thought they saw a UFO and they had faith in what they saw. Others join in with it. Like I said, faith is contagious. The faith of God is the same way. When a person gets saved, and there's been a change in their life, and they go out and they start telling others about it, and they notice that change in their life, it's one thing to say you've changed, it's another thing when you actually walk it out and others see it. Let me tell you something. The most effective sermon that you'll ever preach, you don't even have to open your mouth. It's the life that you live. That's what people take notice of. They're looking at your life. And when they see you living a life of faith, it rubs off on them. Now, it might take a little time, but they will admire you for it. You'll notice them start coming to you. And saying, hey, I've got this situation going on in my life. And will you pray with me about something? You know, you're starting to rub off on them. Like I said, faith is contagious. And after a while, they'll begin to ask you of the hope that's in you. And you need to be ready to give an answer to that person that asks you of your faith. And you, you share it with them. And, and after a while, they'll get what you've got. Glory to God. That's how it works. But uh, let's take this past Sunday, for instance. Like I said earlier, you can't 
put your finger on any one particular thing that caused the Spirit of God to move in the service like it did. But one person, when we gave the altar call, we gave the opportunity for people to come forward and pray over them, anoint them with oil, one person stepped out in faith. This is what God said, I have a need. And I'm going to do what the Word of God says, despite what other people say, what, uh, despite what other people do, I'm going to get out and I'm going to get mine. And they stepped out by faith and they made their way down. And then another one saw them come forward and they said, hey, uh, it got contagious. Uh, we had, a, we, we had a, 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 a virus of faith that took place in the service here last Sunday. Like, and near about half the congregation was up here. I looked out, and there won't that, there won't that many out there in the, in the congregation left. But uh, faith is contagious. As one person was obedient to the moving of the Spirit, uh, then another one came forward, another and another. And that's how God works. Paul said, from faith to faith. Now, let me present this to you as well. From faith, like I said, God gives us his righteousness on the premise of faith. From faith presents God offering to all of mankind his righteousness on the principle of faith. That is from faith. To faith presents you and I as being the uh, the recipients of that righteousness by faith. We simply accept the perfect life of Christ. Like I said, there's no human being in history that's ever been able to live a perfect life. No one's ever been able to keep the law of God perfectly, but Jesus Christ did. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And simple faith is what puts that righteousness into our account. Because like I said, we're all bankrupt as far as uh, righteousness is concerned. Now, that is how we live for God. From faith to faith, we live by faith. As it is written, if you'll look there in the latter part of verse 17, Romans 1, 17, latter half of that verse, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The latter part of that verse tells us how to live for God. It's all done by faith. Faith gets you in. Faith keeps you in. We are justified The moment we put our faith in Christ and his finished work, we are then justified. The righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes our righteousness. Now, we all have faults and failures and shortcomings and whatever the case But when we fail the Lord, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your faith has to be in the word of God. When you fail the Lord, 
you use your faith and you go before the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. I did this thing. I said something I shouldn't have said. Lord, please forgive me. And he has promised us that he will do it. The just shall live by faith. Now, this is where the church world has a big problem. Because much of the church world is operating in works. And it's not of works. It's all done by faith. I've got a problem in my life, someone may say, and we'll send them to AA. I got a problem with alcohol, and we'll send them over to AA. Well, I got a problem in my life, or we'll make them do 40 days of purpose, or fast 21 days, or or 101 different things that the church comes up with. I heard about a young man that had a drug problem, and uh, the preacher told him, said, well, uh, we got a lawnmower out there in the shed. Uh, we need to put you to work in the church and had him out there cutting grass and doing all kind of things. And the poor boy committed suicide. Um, you know, works is not, there's no victory in works. It's all done by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, we don't do anything to earn the righteousness of God. You don't do anything to earn it. Now, if you don't get it by doing, you can't lose it by doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you get this righteousness... By faith, the only way you can lose that righteousness is by a lack of faith. If you got the righteousness by doing, then you could lose it by doing. But we don't obtain this righteousness by doing. We obtain it by faith. So the idea of, you know, well, that brother sinned and, you know, we're slipping in and out of salvation... Some people have that idea. You know, every time you sin, you lose your salvation. No, that's not the way it works. But now if you continue to sin and go down that road, that that sin will erode your faith. It weakens your faith greatly. You'll come to a place after a while you don't believe anymore. And faith is the key uh, to all of it. And so faith gets you in. Faith is what keeps you in. The most dangerous statement that a person can make is simply this. Now, this is going to hit hard, but I believe it to be true. I hear it a lot. God has done his part. Now you've got to do your part. What is your part? What are you going to do? Salvation is not by what you do, it's by what you believe. So what are you going to do? God's done his part, now i got to do my part. we got to be careful in that. Yes, you're supposed to live right. Yes, you're supposed to go to church. Yeah, you're to read the word of God, you're to pray, you're to do all of these things. Those things don't save you. 
What is your part? God has done his part. Now you got to do your part. What is your part? Your part is simply to believe. Because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. You can't please God by doing. You please God by believing. And as long as you believe, the Holy Spirit, that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit will work in your life. And the Holy Spirit will identify the things in your life that don't need to be there. And he'll guide you through the process. He'll tell you the people that you don't need to be hanging around. He'll tell you the types of music that you don't need to be listening to. And like I said, I can go on and on with that. But it's all done by faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.